Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Good morning, Centerpoint. Welcome those in the house. Uh, welcome those watching online, um, checking us out. Maybe you're listening via Unfiltered Radio or a podcast. Thanks for being a part of this morning. Uh, my name is Bradley Hamilton. I'm one of the pastors here. And as you just saw, we're going to start a three-part series called Dangerous Prayers. And as Brian and I talked and talked about talking about this topic of prayer, there's a couple reasons why we felt it was good to really come around this topic for a few weeks. One of them is that I think for way too long, Christian uh, culture has really tended to make prayer complicated. Maybe not meaning to, maybe um, wasn't intended this way, but we've ended up unintentionally maybe just creating a complicated idea of prayer. And, And prayer honestly sometimes can take on this idea that it has to have special words, maybe special times, and maybe special places. And that's just sort of become what the culture is around. So there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of confusion. Even Christian culture has created these ideas of quiet times, which is not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. It can be a really great thing to have time in your rhythm to connect with God. But often when it's talked about in Christian culture, it's talked about this time that you should spend every single day for three hours locked in the closet, and like that's how you commune with God. And so some of you have tried that. Maybe this has been your story. You said, okay, maybe it was a New Year's resolution. I'm gonna have these quiet times, these extended, long connection points with God. And you started doing those for a little while. And because it's unrealistic, because it's unrealistic for anyone, uh, you couldn't keep up. It didn't really become a normal thing. And then you thought, because I can't pray like that, then I just can't pray. And so maybe because it seems so complicated, you've actually walked away or stepped away from prayer. And maybe you've done that unnecessarily make it super complicated. Or maybe you're investigating Christianity and prayer, if you were to be honest, is one of the weirdest things that you see in Christian culture. And you're not sure if you really want to be a part of it because you hear people and see people pray in public and the things that they pray, they use words they would never actually use in real life. And they're praying for things like a hedge of protection, which doesn't seem like that's going to do anything. And uh, they pray things like, I'm from um, Georgia. So in the South, we say things like, bless your heart. And uh, it's weird because you're going, that kind of sounded like an insult, but then you said, bless your heart, on the other end of it. And uh, maybe there's just this complicated way that we've begun to talk about prayer, and it's not intentional. It's a lot of good things. In fact, a lot of them came out of good traditions, so I don't mean to make fun. But if we were to really be honest, there's a lot about prayer, especially from the outside looking in, that seems incredibly complicated. I think that maybe if you've decided, okay, I don't pray that often or I'm unsure about prayer because it's complicated, you just might have walked away unnecessarily. The other thing I think it's important to talk about prayer is because a lot of our prayers are safe. Christian culture has really created a culture around prayer of safe prayers. A lot of things that we pray for are just really simple, really safe. We pray for things like, God, I pray that I make it to work on time. And I pray that I hit every green light going down 60, even though I left 10 minutes late. Like, I just hope I make it. That's our prayer. Or we pray things like, God, would you bless this food to nourish our bodies as if that Domino's pizza is going to miraculously turn into a salad. And 
It's okay to pray about those things. God cares about the small details of your life. I don't mean to say that, but if that is the extent of your prayer life, then you might be praying too safe. And there might be some things about prayer that you're missing. And so over the next three weeks, what I really hope is that you'll maybe discover or rediscover a couple of things. One is that prayer was never meant to be complicated. Prayer was never meant to be complicated. In fact, again and again, you will watch Jesus try to address this issue of prayer and bring it back to the fact that you can communicate with God. It's that simple. In fact, the the Jewish tradition, they had a lot of guidelines given to them by God on how to pray. And this was an incredible thing because every other God, every other deity was removed, was outside of people. And what God said was actually, I want to talk with you. I want relationship with you. I want to walk alongside of you. And so he gave the Jewish people these guidelines and ways to communicate with God. It was absolutely incredible. But because it was so incredible and it was so special, a lot of the religious leaders and the Pharisees started to add on some extra things to make it more special. So they started to add on some extra rules, to add on some extra guidelines, to add on some extra things that that started to make it sacred. And although maybe well-intentioned, as they began to do that, prayer became more confusing. And as they began to do that, prayer seemed more inaccessible to people. And so what you will see Jesus do again and again is try and bring prayer back to the fact that you can communicate with a heavenly father who loves you. And he would say things like this to his followers, He's trying to address this idea of who can pray and how to pray. And he says, listen, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret. Jesus' point was it doesn't matter how religious you are doesn't matter how educated you are. There's not necessarily a a specific word or a specific place or a specific time. You can just go into your room, wherever you live, wherever you're at, and you can communicate with your father. It's a huge deal. It can be in your bedroom. It can be on your daily commute. It can be at your job. You can communicate with God. Prayer was never meant to be complicated. And then the other thing I hope we discover or maybe rediscover is that prayer was never meant to be safe. And what we're going to look at every single week is a different prayer prayed by someone in history. And these prayers led them to some dangerous places. These prayers, in some cases, help them discover purpose. These prayers, you're going to see, help them find life change. These prayers, in some cases, actually shaped and altered history. Prayer is very powerful. It's powerful to change the world around you. And I think what we're going to see is it's powerful to change you. And it was just never meant to be safe. And so here's my warning. If you are comfortable with where you're at, don't pray any of these. If you're happy with how things are and there's nothing around you in your family, in your life, in your relationships that you want to change, then don't pray any of these because what we're going to look at are dangerous prayers. And if you maybe feel stuck, then these are for you. If maybe you feel stuck in your faith and aren't sure where to go next, then these are for you. If you feel like you look to our world and your relationships and maybe your own family and see things that you desperately wish would change, then these are for you. And so that's what we're going to look at, one different prayer every single week. And I want to start this week by looking at a prayer prayed by a guy named David. David, you might have heard of before, whether you're a church person or not, but he was the king of the Israelites. And the Israelites are a nation formed by people wanting to pursue and follow after God. 
And there's so much documented by his life, his journey, his childhood that was collected in these historical documents and then later put into our Bible. And so we have so many different places we can look at the life of David. And we do this because there's some things that we can learn great about him because he was a guy who followed after God's own heart. But there's also some things that we can learn that he didn't do well because he messed up and made mistakes. And all of us should feel a little comforted by that. And so there's a lot that you can take from David. But what's really cool is in the book of Psalm, it's a book in our Bible that's actually a collection of different poems, different songs, different journal entries, many of which are written by David. And so what we get in this book is a collection of different prayers, different thoughts, his high points, his struggles. And so an incredible thing to really sit and read about the heart of someone following after God. And I would just encourage you, if if you feel like you struggle in that pursuit, then I would read the book of Psalm. And if you feel like that you have high points and low points, I would read that book as well. But I want to focus in on one prayer. And this prayer, I think, is is just an incredibly dangerous one and one that I think just might help us this morning. In Psalm 139, he begins to write, and he's writing at this time where his enemies were closing in. And they were threatening to take out this kingdom that he had built, this kingdom that he was leading of God's people. And as the enemies are closing in, here's what he writes. Maybe not what you would think. Psalm 139, 23. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. A short, simple, and dangerous prayer. It's so short, I would love for you to take a picture of this, write it down somewhere. But what I wanna actually do is walk through this and point out a couple things in this short but incredible verse. And then I'm gonna make it even shorter for us. So I'm gonna give you something that you can just write down in a lot of different places that you can see that takes the content of this verse and just kind of condenses it, if that's all right. So the first thing he says is, search me, O God. So you can just simply write this. You can write, search me, search me. Now, why start there? Why sit and start with praying to God by asking him to search our hearts? I mean, doesn't he know our hearts? And I mean, at the end of the day, come on, don't we have a good heart? Wrong. In fact, I think Jeremiah says this best, another guy who writes um, some historical documents that were collected in our Bibles, but he says it this way, and I, I just love this. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately sick, and who can understand it? And I don't know about you, but I just relate with that last part of who can understand it because have you ever done something that you don't understand? Have you ever been confused by your own emotions, your own actions? Or maybe you've done something that you regret. Maybe you did something that you regret knowing that you would regret it and then did it anyways. Anyone else? Just me? He says, that's our heart. Our heart on default does not just trend toward health and happiness. Our heart on default, if left to its own, we always tend toward deceit. We always tend toward manipulation. We always tend toward lying. That at its core is what the heart will do if just left on default. And it will deceive others and not just deceive others. The biggest point is that it actually deceives ourselves. In fact, this is why you've talked yourself into doing things that you know were wrong for you before. You've said, you know, I know I shouldn't date them, but I mean, I really think I can help them. And he said, I know I shouldn't buy this car, but I mean, look at all the safety features. It's really for the kids. I'm doing this for the kids, right? (laughs) Or I know I shouldn't gossip and I'm not gonna be a gossip, but I just really want people to pray for them. So I want them to know so that they can be prayed for. Our heart in its default can deceive ourselves. So what David says is incredibly important. What if we just started a dangerous prayer to say, God, would you check my motives? Whatever I'm praying for, whatever I'm entering into, could you first analyze me? Could you help me see if there's something in me that I'm 
thinking wrong on this. What if we just started prayer there? Now that's dangerous. But then he continues. He says, search me, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. For the next part, you can just write, know my anxious thoughts. See, what he's coming to God with is this idea of knowing that there's something going on behind his heightened emotion. That there's maybe this core fear or this core issue that he has that he's trying to go, God, would you just help test me and help me figure this out? Because what's true about all of us is that oftentimes our anxieties reveal a deeper fear. And so with David, yes, he was afraid at this moment of being attacked, but could it have been more than that? Could it have been this idea of losing what he's built? Could it be this idea of giving up on a future that he felt he was promised? Could it be this idea of feeling responsible for other people who are going to be hurt in the midst of this? What is that fear? And he's going, God, would you just help me figure out what's going on deeper inside of me? Uh, Can I give you mine? Uh, A big one for me, I don't know how you feel about the Enneagram or personality test. I just think they're fun. I know they can have their flaws, but I think they really help you kind of just see some things that you can help just better yourself in. And I'm an Enneagram three to a T. Okay, any other threes in here? Just so I know, know, know where we're at. I'm an Enneagram three, and what really this means is that my core motivation somewhere deep down is I have this fear of failure. And because this fear of failure is so strong in me, oftentimes it kind of reveals itself as some other things, but really that's the issue. And so maybe something will go wrong in ministry and I just feel like I failed. I feel like it, I take it so personally. And I have to watch that. Or I'll mess up at my home life or I won't do something perfectly for my wife or my kid and I begin to take it on personally and feel like I failed as a husband or I failed as a father. And oftentimes we have these, these motivations inside of us, these core anxieties. And the reason David would say, I need to just ask God to check what's really going on behind my anxiety because when I do that, I can know where I need to trust God more. I love how Craig Rochelle says this. He says, what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. And so what a dangerous prayer to say, hey, before I begin to just pray and ask God for things, what if I actually had him analyze what's going on and realize where I need to trust him more in this? Know my anxious thoughts. Next, he adds on, he says, search me, know my anxious thoughts, and point out any offense in me. Point out offense in me. In other words, God, is there anything in me in this situation or what I'm praying about or just today that would go against your heart? Is there anything in me that would go against your heart? Now, here's why this is such a dangerous and difficult prayer. It is so easy to point out the offense in other people, isn't it? We don't have trouble doing that at all. It is so easy to see what they need to fix, what they need to get right, how they should get it together. But then when we look at ourselves, it is much more difficult to point out that same offense, isn't it? In fact, what we tend to do is we tend to accuse others and then excuse ourselves for the same things. It's why you've probably found yourself doing this and maybe you wouldn't put these words to it, but it's why when, when you're driving slow, you're being cautious and responsible. But then when you're running late and they're driving slow, they're just incompetent and their license should be taken away. I haven't said that, it just came, I just pulled out of nowhere, that's not me. Or it's why when you spend a little too much on that thing, you go, well, but we're just celebrating. And it's, it's just fun every now and then, that's okay. But then when they spend extra on that thing, well, they're unwise and they're irresponsible. It is so easy to point out offense in everyone else and it's so difficult to do it in ourselves. But here's the question I wanna ask. What if Christians just stopped praying for everyone else's offenses and began praying for theirs? I think that would change our world. I know it would change our communities. 
And it's why David kind of goes first and he just says, listen, God, before I pray about people attacking me and hurting me and their wrongs and all the things they need to get right, would you just point out offense in me? That's a dangerous prayer. And then he adds on the last piece. He says, search me, know my anxious thoughts, point out offense in me and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, this is so important because up until now, He's only pointed out these negatives. He's only asked God to help show him the negatives inside of him. And this sometimes can be a difficult thing for many of us to do, to realize our faults, to realize our flaws, our offenses. And then here's often where we stop. And and I don't know if this has been your story. Many of us have grown up in a church tradition that actually taught us this. But sometimes what we can tend to do is we can take all of the, the things we see negative about ourselves, and then we can stop and end there with shame. And we let shame be the ending point. And again, somewhere along the way, there have been some church traditions that have led you there and say that that's where you need to stop. And I just want you to know that if if praying and if realizing these emotions and things inside of you that aren't yet where they need to be leads you to shame, then you are walking after the wrong God. Because God never has shame as his goal. God doesn't want to point these things out in you because the end result is shame. And what breaks my heart is that too often we have churches and Christ followers who feel like they have to walk away from prayer, walk away from God because there is shame there. And I just think that you have walked away from the wrong God. In fact, Jesus even addressed this with his followers because they came up to him and they said, hey, would you just teach us how to pray? Like we see how you pray in your prayer life and there's a lot of confusion around it. There's a lot we don't understand. Can you just teach us how? And what he responds with is called the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to actually kind of end on this, but how he starts it is so powerful. He says this, our father, stop there. That was so countercultural at the time to say, hey, listen, here's how you communicate with God, father. He used a family term, a term of relationship. In other words, I know every other culture, every other religion says that when you pray to your God or your deity, they are removed, they are separate, they are far off, but Christian, not so with you. When you pray to God, you can approach him as a father. You can approach him as literally translated a dad. You can approach him as someone who loves you, who is there for you, who is present, and who wants to be with you in everything that you're facing in life. That is who you are talking to. So when you can address God, you address him with confidence, not with shame, not with baggage, knowing you have forgiveness, you have been set free, you have been made new, and you can approach him in Jesus as father. Countercultural. And it just breaks my heart that too many Christians have said, I just feel like I'm not good enough at prayer, so I won't. I just feel like prayer is too inaccessible, so I don't. I just feel like it's too complicated and I'm not special enough or religious enough or educated enough and I have too much baggage and I have too much shame. And I just feel like if Jesus were able to sit down and talk with us like he did his disciples, he would go, no, 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 you're missing that he's a father. And he wants to hear your prayers. And he wants to listen to you. And he wants to communicate with you. And he wants to bring on your anxieties. And he wants to hold on to your fears. And there's no amount of baggage or shame that should hold you back from him because he loves you. And he's for you. And so that's really it. I want to put this prayer back up. Search me, know my anxious thoughts, point out offense in me, lead me. And here's my challenge. Is that you would take a picture of that and then you would write it down somewhere. 
Maybe for you, this is, and this can be anywhere. This is, again, a five-minute prayer every day this week. And I would challenge us, what if we as a church collectively did that this week? We were just all saying the same prayer in this area, in this community, just, hey, God, would you search me? Would you know my anxious thoughts? Would you point out offense in me? And would you continue to lead me? If that was our prayer, if that's what we could come around over this next week, all of us collectively, I think God would do something really incredible and really special. And so maybe put it somewhere, maybe set a reminder on your phone. You can even type this in the memo because it's incredibly short. Maybe you can put this as your background. Maybe this is something you just come around together as a family every dinner this week, whatever that looks like. But let's just pray this every single day this week. And then next week, we're gonna talk about a different prayer uh, called Breaks My Heart. And so I'm gonna have a lot of fun with that one. I can't wait for that. Um, But again, what if we just read that this week, every single day? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for how you love us. I thank you for the fact that you are present, that you are a father who forgives, who loves, who is for us passionately. And God, I just pray that as we step out into that this week, that we would begin to pray like that. Pray knowing that we're talking to our father. Pray knowing that you're for us. And that we would begin to have some dangerous prayers and go, God, analyze my heart. Change me. And God, that just there, you would begin to do something so special in our community over the next several weeks. It's your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.